I think in a, in a market right now that is pretty topsy-turvy, arguably, I think when we talk about the market being topsy-turvy, we, we do kind of tend to, in the back of my mind, think more about the US. But if you actually look at the FTSE and the, the wider British market over here, um, it's actually a really quite a robust place, I think, to invest. Granted, there's a lot of financials and a lot of commodities um, that are sort of based on on the, the London Stock Exchange, but there's a lot of companies that provide software as a service and and and, and remote working capability style um, software and, and services and products and things like that. And so, yeah, I think it's I think it's certainly I think in this as I say this kind of period where inflation is clearly not not slowing down. Um, there is a you know crunch on people's um, you know discretionary expenditure. The cost of living is, is is skyrocketing, but fundamentally, people still need to work, and they still need to be able to work efficiently and effectively. Um, because you know if you don't, you get sacked, or you you know you 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 don't you know get pay increases or things like that. You know you don't progress. So I think I think it's interesting. It's one of those areas that when people think about work from home. You know what was really big in the pandemic, the likes of you know Zoom and and those you know work from home darling stocks that have you know tanked basically since late last year. That's not really, I think, the way to play. Is I think the way to play this kind of shift to work from home is. Welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. Want to be a better, smarter, more clued up investor? Well, you've come to the right place. We cover the breakthrough investment ideas you don't hear about in the mainstream to keep you on top of the megatrends and opportunities reshaping our world. And welcome back to Exponential Investor Podcast today. Joining me is my co-editor, Sam Volkering. Sam, how are you, mate? Good morning, Shay. I'm very well, thank you. Having a having a decent week, um, even though you know the, the markets continue to be volatile and topsy-turvy and full of fear and pessimism, but uh, I'm loving it. How are you going? Ah, look, you know what? Absolutely awesome. I haven't looked at the market today because I've decided I didn't want any bad news. Uh, so I just, rather than uh, look at stocks, how my personal portfolio is going, I've actually had my head buried in some research, uh, a commodity report that I'm writing for South Bank at the moment. Um, and that leads me to my first question. Now, Sam, we were part of a roundtable on Monday night with some other amazing people here at South Bank Research. But you made a couple of interesting comments. So today I am taking the lead because basically I want to learn a thing or two about what you brought up. Now, some of the things that you talked about were quantum computing. I'm very keen to get to that. First of all, I want to talk about your computer screen. Now, you told me off air that you currently have a 38-inch monitor, I think it is, with a 21 to 10 ratio. Please tell me what the heck is a 21 to 10 ratio and is this the future of computing, home computing? Well, wow. all right. So to for, for anybody that loves a little bit of a geek out, um, us, us fellow geeks out there that love a bit of a uh, bit of tech wizardry, which my house is full of, I I decided to. I don't know if it's an upgrade because I was using a fifty-five inch uh, LED on the wall, but I'm moving office. Um, we've we've recently done a renovation at, at our house, and I'm moving office shortly, and so um, the the telly, the giant telly on the wall, isn't feasible anymore. So I got I got a monitor, and I decided to get an Alienware. So Alienware is owned by Dell. Alienware is their gaming branch so it's a uh, alienware 38 inch 
uh, ultra wide screen monitor. So the the ratio is the aspect ratio, which is a twenty one by ten aspect ratio. So you'll you'll find that if you're at the cinema, um, typically you'll have I think it's a is it a sixteen by nine? I can't remember if it's sixteen or twenty one by nine, but this is just going that little bit further to that cinema screen width. But it's for productivity purposes, it's fantastic because I've got you on my screen, I've got my emails, I've got a chat box, I've got Word documents, I can I can manage a whole bunch of things at once. And to be fair, you know, so this actually does bring up an interesting topic. So I remember when the pandemic first hit and the, the, basically everybody was stuck at home and then everybody had to work from home. And I thought to myself, an interesting play on that would be something like the companies that provide a lot of the kind of tech and and hardware that you need for that. So companies that make monitors, companies that make keyboards, microphones, um, mouse, like I, I upgraded my mouse. This is the weirdest mouse you might ever see, but this is a Logitech mouse. And a typical mouse would be flat like that. And this one actually is on the side. So you kind of hold it. You hold it on the side like this. Very ergo friendly. So like a pilot. But so yeah, exactly right. So, you know, there's you know, there's there's all these sorts of companies and there's some great companies out there that do a lot of stuff like that. You know, um, you know, Logitech do a lot of the accessories and peripherals for computing. Um, Dell is obviously really big around uh, you know computers and monitors and, and, and accessories and peripherals. Corsair is one that people probably don't know a lot about either, but they make um, heaps of, of stuff for for gaming, for gamers, um, again for computing productivity. So there's a lot of companies in the in this space that you know people talk about semiconductors and silicon chips and you know that you you're very well aware of the commodities that are needed for all those things. But when you think about monitors, keyboards, um, mice, mouses, whatever you want to describe the, the plural of those as, um, you know, even even my. I think you just turned yourself. I accidentally off. muted myself there. Um, it's got a whole bunch of components and stuff. You know, these are all things that all of a sudden are a lot more relevant. Um, people upgrade quite, you know, f more frequently than you probably realize. So. I think it's an actually an interesting play uh, in the market around even even they are also kind of recession proof as well because if people are now using them for productivity and working from home more and more, um, it's not things that people tend to skimp on um, that you know that are, that are doing it. So yeah, anyway, that was that was my sort of long <laughs> explanation of, of of my new massive alienware monitor with it's got four different sections for leds on the back of it so it looks really cool as well um yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll post a couple of pictures on on my twitter feed about it look i think you absolutely shouldn't look we all know men love to brag, brag about the size of their monitor so i thought i'd just give you that opportunity but you've touched on a great point and it is going to slightly derail me from the point i was getting to aside from uh yeah. the fact that derailing's great on this podcast that's what i love about it <laughs> There's no rules here. Um, but you made an excellent point about how you've gone to a bigger screen size because you believe it enhances productivity. Now, I run multiple screens at home. I've got 24 inches in front of me and I've got 27 inches to my right. And I'll pop this up on Twitter and maybe we can compare sizes. Um, and But I've got it in Roughly, the... Your combined size is bigger than mine. <laughs> Uh, we've got the um, I've got it on the vertical because I feel it enhances my productivity having one dedicated word document and that but you've raised an interesting point here is about how the pandemic has shifted how we work and the tools we use to do our work 
Now, back right when the pandemic happened in March, April, I made a pretty bullish call on JB Hi-Fi in Australia, which is a major electro um, electronics yeah. supplier here. They're basically, um, they, they used to be a discretionary retailer. And the argument that I made is that they've gone from being a discretionary retailer to essentially a consumer staple because they're shaping, mm. they, they provide everything to work from home. Now, given yeah. this work from home trend isn't going away soon, um, I guess you could argue that there's going to be more and more uh, investment made in personal computing and basically running mini businesses from home. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what? I, I just talking about that it reminded me of a of an, a really interesting chart I saw on Twitter uh, this week as well, where um, post pandemic, which is fair to say we're kind of post pandemic here in the UK, that's for sure. Um, there's 22 percent less transport public transport travel here in the UK than there was pre-pandemic. So that's a massive decrease in the amount of commuting done uh, here in the UK, which indicates that, uh, and if you look at, and the, the unemployment numbers aren't, aren't wild, so it indicates that a lot of people are working from home, which again suggests that these sorts of things about working from home and, and how we do it is is not something that's, that's really going to disappear. It's, I don't think it's going to become the norm, um, but it's certainly going to be a lot more prevalent than it than it ever was before, um, and so yeah, it does. It, all all the things around personal computing, home offices, you know, it, it, if you if you think about it, you, you could even argue that some of the you know some of the even some of the companies that sell things like furniture uh, for for home offices, right, uh, could potentially benefit from this sort of thing. So, I think in in a market right now that is pretty topsy-turvy. Arguably, I think when we talk about the market being topsy-turvy, we, we do kind of tend to, in the back of my mind, think more about the US. But if you actually look at the FTSE and the, the wider British market over here, um, it's actually a really quite a robust place, I think, to invest. Granted, there's a lot of financials and a lot of commodities um, that are sort of based on on the, the London Stock Exchange. But there's a lot of companies that provide software as a service and and, and, and remote working capability style um, software and, and services and products and things like that. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's certainly, I think in this, as I say, this kind of period where inflation is clearly not, not slowing down. Um, there is a, you know, crunch on people's, um, you know, discretionary expenditure, the cost of living is, is, is skyrocketing. But fundamentally, people still need to work and they still need to be able to work efficiently and effectively um, because, you know, if you don't, you get sacked or you, you, know, you, you, you don't, you know, get pay increases or things like that. You know, you don't progress. So I think I think it's interesting. It's just one of those areas that when people think about work from home, you know, what was really big in the pandemic, the likes of, you know, Zoom and, and those, you know, work from home darling stocks that have you know tanked basically since late last year. That's not really, I think, the way to play this. I think the way to play this kind of shift to work from home is the physical hardware and devices and everything that goes into those that, that make that happen. I think that's the probably smarter play in this kind of market. Um, okay, you have very so gently led me to my next point. Thank you for that. Um, let's. So we're talking about the here and now and what the play is for now, but there was something that you brought up on Monday night that I really do, you know, partly from my own knowledge because I don't know a lot about it either, um, but I do think other people would benefit from knowing that, um, and that is quantum computing. Now, this is 
quite futuristic and it is it's very much um i'll let you elaborate on it a bit more but it's very much that next leap in technology um and a classic example of you know technology moving forward is i actually don't use a notepad i use a digital notebook for everything that i do and when i first started using that you know people made off people made comments of like you know it was very unusual to do that but this next leap that you're talking about this quantum computing this is completely revolutionary for computing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because it is it's very complex and it it involves it's it's not your typical kind of what we all kind of know and, and understand computing to be. It, it does sort of take it to another realm, and and a lot of it is still quite theoretical. But you've got you know major organisations like Google, uh, I know Facebook as well has been working on it. Um, obviously. Um, IBM has been heavily invested in quantum computing and developing um, increasing amounts of qubits in their quantum computing systems. There's some great companies in Australia, in the US, uh, that are looking to develop different approaches to quantum computing processing. Ultimately, it's at the moment, quantum computing isn't really, you know, something that you will necessarily have, you know, a, a, a quantum computer sat on your desk in the next, you know, two to three to five years and the real purpose and and benefit that they have is that their ability to compute um certain outputs would would be particularly relevant for industry like um drug development um you know, climate uh, technologies even you know efficiencies in things like battery technology because you can you can run exponentially more calculations and, and simulations for a whole bunch of different things. So healthcare and medicine is really one area in particular where they think it's going to make a really big indent. Of course, there's a lot of skeptics that think that it's not feasible, it's not going to happen, that you know, there's plenty of, of arguments about some of the companies out there that uh, you know, there are some short sellers that are calling some companies hoaxes and scammers, which is fa fascinating because this is it's exactly the kind of thing that you expect to see from you know really early stage developmental technologies that you know hold a significant potential to unlock a great value proposition and a great amount of wealth if they are successful in the future and you know we we sort of look in history and we go you know in the early days of computing and you know there were these big giant you know there <laughs> online you can find images of the giant you know one ton mach IBM machines the early computers that were run on tape and things like that you know being shuffled into uh, into a, an office you know, it's it's somewhat comparable is that the early stages of these technologies it is clunky it's you know not necessarily convenient for you know home use but then over a period of time and usually it is a couple of decades when it comes to computing is that they, things get better. They, they 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 learn more by by trial and error and experimenting things get better smaller more efficient and then ultimately you do end up with you know maybe you do end up with a quantum computer uh, on your desk running your big ass monitor i don't know <laughs> but you know it, it's i think it's one of those things where if you've got an eye on future and you like the ideas around some of the big trends in investing and tech i i can't see how you can ignore quantum computing because it does hold a really if it if they are successful in developing effective, functional, affordable quantum computers, um, 
the potential that that could unlock is astronomical. Arguably, you could say it's comparable to uh, the internal combustion engine and how that applied to personal vehicles. Uh, because, you know, well, we had um, computers that move, uh, sorry, computers, you can tell what I'm actually thinking about for a change. We had steam engines that moved us from A to B, and then we had the internal combustion engine that helped, you know, get um, other forms of transport happening. But what that internal combustion engine actually did was allow personal transfer tra transportation and completely changed how and where we live because we didn't all need to be so centrally located anymore. It sounds like quantum computing has the ability to do that, but on the um, level of, you know, on the ability to process information, it changes how we analyse and how we process information when it arrives or if. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to make a probably a fair comparison to what quantum computing theoretically can do compared to current modern computing, um, it would it would be somewhat akin to like in a, in a transportation analogy, it would be some somewhat akin to walking to the internal combustion. Oh, okay, right. Um, probably, probably not even that. Probably like walking to, um, you know, the the most advanced supercar <laughs> <laughs> engine, or maybe a Formula One engine, right? That's a hybrid of of internal combustion engine with electric and energy recovery and whole bunch of fancy stuff going on that's that's probably the, the, the better all right well that just goes to show how little i know about quantum computing because i didn't understand it was such a leap forward all right well we are nearly out of time today but i would like to close on one question now as i said a couple of things that you touched on a monday night we're all talking about you know the the, the leaps forward coming in technology given quantum computing is still a fair way off what do you see what what's on your radar right now of, of one of the next big leaps coming you know that's coming forward sooner rather than later I think one of the key things to just to clarify there is that quantum computing isn't a way off. It it is actually here, and so it is happening now. A quantum, you know, a, like a personal quantum computer or something like that. That's probably a bit of a way off. But in terms of of utilizing quantum computing technology, you you know, companies are doing that now, and there are investable opportunities in that space right now that are developing the next generation of quantum computers and a lot of them are starting to come to market so we're really starting to see that area of investment actually become accessible for people now so that's happening right now it's not just something that's going to come in the future as well um out, outside of that i mean it's, it's it's hard it's still hard for me to ignore the the potential of of what we are seeing around the development of, of effectively a new financial system built around cryptocurrency networks um, I think it's important that you can you can probably don't worry, it's just a smoke alarm going off in my house. Um, several of them now, um, with a bit of luck, my house won't burn down while while they're going off. Um, nonetheless, it's not my it's not my monitor hasn't caught fire. And you know so what? I'm sure you can carry it out with two arms anyway. Exactly, it'd be the first. I'm I'm sure my wife would be impressed if I carried the computer out instead of her. Um, Right. So, um, look, outside of that, yeah, you know, I was going to say, we, you don't sort of necessarily, some people sort of bundle this stuff into fintech. And there are there are some really interesting financial technology companies and, and stocks out there at the moment. But I think it's sort of beyond fintech. And, and we're really looking to how that that ecosystem can, can deliver finance that's accessible, um, efficient, um, and delivers a lot more control and, and, and power back to the individual. So there's, I think, still a lot of great, and a lot of those companies have been smashed. Like a lot of the listed companies, if you look, you know, on the 
on the boards, you know, Square, Coinbase, um, MicroStrategy, Marathon, Riot, Mining. Um, uh, there's there's loads of different Argo blockchain. There's loads of different companies that have just been hammered from pillar to post. A because of the fall off in, in growth and tech stocks, and B because that they're all inherently linked to cryptocurrencies. You know, there's a lot of opportunities in that sector. I think as well, and that's something I'm continuing to focus on very very closely. Uh, all right, Sam, we are probably going to need to leave our chat there today, and I think you might need to go see if you've still got a kitchen left. Uh, so, <laughs> everybody, if you do want to hear more from Sam's ideas on the tech space and the crypto space, our amazing people who know more about the internet than I do will put a link somewhere around this video so you can click and learn more about what Sam's been talking about. Uh, also, too, as you can tell, these podcasts are authentic and recorded in one cut. We do one take, I should say. We, uh, we don't rehearse these. Um, everybody, I want to say thank you for watching. Sam, thanks for being here and helping clarify what the heck quantum computing, computing even is for me. Uh, that's all for today. Bye for now.